You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. You know, scriptural applications and all the wonderful things that we teach, you know, the Bible covers everything. At the end of this whole thing, listen to me, this is what the gospel is about. It's got two functions only. To make your life livable and to make your life to be influential for his glory only. Not for our glory, not for our name's sake, but for his glory. At the end of the day, you know, everything else that comes with that doesn't really, you know, is important, but it's not that as important. So when you leave, you know, as you, as you process your Christian walk, your Christian life, you know, here's a question you have to ask yourself because, you know, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves on this one is, is my life better is my mental attitude better? Is my demeanor with, you know, around people better since I have an encounter with Jesus? That's, you know, bottom line. And if, if the answer is yes, well, then you continue, and your life progressively gets better and more manageable and more exciting. But if you can't really answer that, you've got to take a step back. You know, you've got to think about it a little bit. Say, okay, why, you know, I'm spending a lot of energy and focus. Because here's the thing. God is not your problem. <laughs> Amen? And... I was trying to explain this because we get things thrown at us in life, and everyone that's an adult, and I'm sure some children have dealt with this, that you could go to God and say, why is this happening? And, and the, problem, the, the problem you're having a question, the reason you have a question, why is this happening to me, and the reason you're addressing God for it is not because God is wrong, it's because maybe our teaching was wrong. And because our teaching was wrong, our perspective on God is wrong, so what do we do? We don't get mad at the teacher, we get mad at God. And that's a big mistake because, you know, what I was, I was telling Laura, you know, the, the gospel, the message, the, the reason we do what we do, you know, is because there's something greater and bigger at the end of this, which is called the kingdom of God. That's really the end of this. Are you all with me this morning? And... You know, whatever we live our life here, let's do the best we can. Let's be the, you know, the best influential, that we, you know, best person that we can be. But at the end, you know, of our life, the answer is very simple. Your relationship with God, I'm spending too much time on this, but somebody needs to hear this, has to have evidence, at least, at the very least, of more peace in your life. Amen? Maybe life circumstances haven't changed that much because life is what it is. It's life. Amen? But the peace that God comes gives you clarity and gives you wisdom and understanding and so forth and so on. So everything we teach hopefully goes down that path, you know. And, and I've been really, like, digging into this, especially this year. You know, this is the one year I, I sought the Lord. I do it every year, but I didn't dig into it, and I didn't get anything, which is great. Which was, Lord, what's the word for 2023? I didn't get, you know, I kept praying about it, praying, and I didn't get nothing. You know, some people do, some people don't, and that's fine. But I didn't know one thing it was. It was really about taking an understanding of this word and trying to remove so much religion that we all have from it <laughs> and go back to the core and see how that influences my life. Because it, this is a really good thing. You know, you raise your kids on this. You raise your family. You run your... So really, the next series is coming up, and I, we've already kind of hit it last year, but I'm really getting more into, like, what is the life application of this? What does parenting look like from a 
Christian perspective. Because here's, you know, I'm, I'm just saying hello this morning. I'm not preaching yet. Here's another thing I look at, and, and I look at even myself sometimes. Why are so many Christians that I know, and again, I'm not looking at you. I'll close my eyes so you don't feel guilty. But why are so many Christians so bad? You know, they're just bad people, and they're still Christians. Anybody? You ever had that encounter? They're Christians, but they're still mean. They're still backstabbers. They're still liars. They're still cheaters. I'm not judging that. I'm saying, why is it, why doesn't, why doesn't have greater influence, this Christianity, to have greater empathy, to have greater, you know, compassion for people? Because that really was what the gospel was about. It wasn't about see how many houses we can get, how many cars we can, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's fun, and that's okay to have, you know, and God does want you, you know, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm going through a lot of rabbit trails, but prosperity is, you know, it's God's blessing on you, but that's not the ultimate goal. Because, you know, you can have everything you want to in this world and still not be fulfilled. Do you agree with that statement? Some of you are, I just want to test it, okay? <laughs> Make me a millionaire, to, you know, God, just to see if I don't enjoy it, right? No, I'm just kidding. But um, my point is, your search of the gospel, at the end of the day, has two functions. One, to make you a better person. And the other, that by you becoming a better person, you help other people through their life's journey. That's it. And at the end, we all get to heaven, and we all party with Jesus. Pretty simple message, right? You take all the religion out of the way, that's it. And that's what we're pursuing. So to, to do that, you have to have certain things. So as I'm, as I'm getting into the message now, I was thinking about this. Where does the emotional, because we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence. You know, we've talked about you know, mental health and all these things for weeks and weeks and weeks and, you know, how to process, how to help you. But, you know, one of the things that you've got to be careful is an emotionally unstable person and spiritual is a dangerous mix. Think about that. And that's why you see people drinking Kool-Aid. I'm not making fun of that. That was horrible. Some of you don't know how to reference what I'm talking about. But back in the 70s, over 900 people committed suicide following a leader. Yeah, that's toxic, right? Because you have emotional people that are a mess, and now they're trying to deal with spiritual truths, and that just becomes weird. Well, what does that even mean to me, Pastor? Well, here's the thing. We are here because we are seeking spiritual. That's the only reason we're here this morning. We're not trying to get a job. We're not trying to learn engineering. We're here to learn spiritual principles. So as you are dealing with this, you know, your spirituality, pay attention, then I'm going to dive into it, and your emotional control or your emotional balance kind of goes hand in hand. Because what people react to when they interact with you Remember this, and this is going to be, you know, you might write this down or at least think about it. When people react with you, almost the very first interaction we have, that includes me, when you interact with me, when I interact with you, you interact with anybody, the very first interaction we have could be an emotional connection, right? You smile, hey, or you frown. <laughs> I mean, if somebody says hi and their face has a bad emotion, you already got that one. They don't have to say hello, they don't have to say nothing. So our, our emotions are right at the front end of everything we do. You know, and I've heard people say, well, you got, you know, emotions, somebody said, you know, something like the idea that, that emotions lie to you. I don't think they lie to you. I just, I just think they do say the truth, but we don't know how to process it. So understanding our emotional man, if I can put it this way, and understanding our spiritual man have to go hand in hand. They have to go hand in hand. You can't, well, I'm going to develop emotionally, but I'm, I'm going to kind of not be spiritual or vice versa, and that's the danger. So people develop spirituality, oh, I'm so spiritual, but they never spend time working on themselves. So now you've got somebody that's hyper-spiritual, but they're very crazy in their head. Anybody meet those people? And everything is hyper-spiritualized, and everything is God. And, you know, I had a conversation with a minister this week, a lady minister, and, and over the phone, you know, just context of things. And she kept saying something, and I didn't really want to straighten her out. 
that, you know, next time, if I talk to her, I'm going to fix her next time, in a good way. Because, you know, she's a great person, you know, but she kept saying this is, I know, she said that, she would say, I know that everything has a spiritual root. Like every problem in your life has a spiritual root, and, and there's a truth to that. But if you're not careful with that, then everything, you're going to try to process it through that filter, and that filter only. Follow this track. So your emotions could lock into something like that, and pretty soon everything gets else gets blocked out because emotionally you're so wired into saying, well, you know, I just listen to God. And then she was, she was, this conversation is really interesting. I'm not going to give a lot of details, but this person had lost a lot of money, like tons of money, more money than I could even put my head around. And we were talking, you know, and this phrase keeps coming up, you know, it's like, I want to get back on subject, but somebody needs to hear this. You know, the, the phrase that, well, you know, God this and God that and God told me and God, God showed me and God, you know, everything is spiritual and I'm really clear. I hear the voice of God. All these wonderful things, which I, I don't doubt, but here comes the big pastor box, Matarroyos question. <laughs> so if you're in, so in tune with God, why did all this happen? Because what happened in this case specific was bad decisions. And those bad decisions, listen, some of you are going to read, led to millions of dollars being lost. That's how much. You know, last week I made a $600 mistake, and I thought I felt really bad about it, because, you know, in contracting you do $600 mistakes. And I thought that was, like, huge. And I talked to her, and she was talking about millions. I'm like, whew, 600 that's fine, man. Let's just, I'll do 600 all day, or, you know, when you talk about, So my point is, those emotions and that spirituality now kind of just gets blended in a weird place where you are convinced that you are like a spiritual person, but you've locked out all the other outside information, and now you're not in a good place. Because a lot of your answers are natural. Amen, Pastor Box. A lot of the things that I've been teaching you, they're scripturally based, because I have not taught something in this room that I cannot find support in the scripture. But even that, I study a lot of psychology. I study a lot of, I read a lot into these things. So I'm making sure that I don't just approach you with some kind of, you know, attitude, those, you know, cognitive behavioral training and all these kind of things, which I think are great, but not have a scriptural foundation. You have to have that because then if we don't do that, then we're not spiritual. But the, here's, I'm, I'm going over this thing a lot, but here's what you got to do. God said there is spirit and there is natural. And you just have to know how you, you are a spiritual being. You don't turn off spirit. Even if you never go to church, if you never give your life to Jesus, if you never seek anything, you're still a spirit. You're not going to get away from that. Once you connect to God, then you believe, we believe that, you know, we're connected to heaven, all that kind of stuff. But you're still a spiritual person. So when we, everything we teach, you're going to have to learn to do this. I am not turning on and off my spirit. I am a spirit person navigating in a natural world, and I want to be... I know control is kind of a hard word. Let's not use the word influence. I want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will never control you. He influences you. He'll never control you. You know, when people get into these little, like, Holy Ghost trances and they fall out, and I, I said, no, that's not the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost doesn't do that. The Holy Ghost will never abuse you. He will never possess you like a demon. Amen. All the Pentecostals didn't say amen on that one. That's just the truth. You know, I've been, I've been guys, I'm almost 30 years into that. I've seen a lot. My point is, now you're coming, I want spirit downloads. 
that a lot of the things that God tells you will be completely wired to the natural world because he created a natural world and he placed you in a natural world. So make sure you blend those properly. And everything, anything that comes, not just this teaching, anything, in your whole Christian experience, make sure you're, you're walking as a spiritual person, but you're navigating, you know, in the natural with reason, reasoning, purpose, and focus. So by doing that, you got the balance. Because I'm telling you, an emotionally, a, an emotionally unstable spirit, that's a long word, spiritual person, is dangerous. It's dangerous to themselves, and it's dangerous to their family. And it's, why? Because they'll come up with all kinds of funky stuff. And they'll try to influence, they'll try to control people with scriptures, they'll do all kinds of stuff. And that is really just, that, that's a toxicity, where, you, where, you, where all your emotions are now expressed through some kind of spiritual attitude. You've heard people like that, right? People that are always judging because of this, or because, you know, that is that, you know, they sound spiritual, but you can tell what's coming out is very toxic, and it comes from a dark place. So, said all that to say, we're going to balance this, don't turn off spirit, but make sure spirit has influence over emotions, because one of the, you know, the greatest balances you can have in your life is understanding the emotional man, amen? I know it took me a long time to say this one, you're like, what did he say? Go back and listen to it, because it's there. Okay. And on the, on the outline, I, I didn't get it. Sorry, some I just go with me. We were trying, like I said, we've been here since early this morning trying to get this system, and the, the last glitch was to deal with the audio, but we'll fix that later. Okay, let's open our Bibles to Romans 12. Let's, let's, found, let's get a lot of foundation, because this morning, like I said, we're, we probably have like a week or two weeks left on this series. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really praying about it. There's really no end to it. You just kind of close it and move on. So in Romans 12, verse 2, I was going to read one too. Just go, just go straight to verse 2. This is Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. And then, it's, and then it kind of amplifies, so this is a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. King James says, by the renewal of the mind. So what we've been doing here for six weeks is really that. And one of the things I use always when I talk about this principle is you coming to Jesus, say, my life is, you know, I need help. Jesus, come to my life. That, that experience, of the salvation experience, the importance of that is, before you're a believer, the renewing of the mind to me, I'm just saying my opinion, is that important. Because what's happening, people are saying, okay, I have a Christian experience. Okay, Jesus, and you have it, and you know it's real. You didn't, you know, it wasn't some emotional thing. But then you, you walk into Christianity and you just leave it, you know, just figure that you were zapped, everything's good to go. And no, it's not. Because the only thing that's been fixed is your spirit. That's it. You're spiritually connected to God. Glory to God for that. Heaven is your home. But now that spirit, pay attention to this statement, with your will, with your will and only with your will, will work together in that same, in, and I'm saying that same chapter, in Romans chapter 8, that scripture that H referred to a couple weeks ago, the Spirit of God with your will or your inner man will work together to make all things work together for your own good. But that is a joint rhythm. So how does that apply, okay? Let's go through some of these things this morning, and you're going to get it. So once again, Romans 12 says, a total reformation of how you think. So hopefully your Christian walk, and, and, and you know, hopefully every service or every encounter you have with God or you know, every prayer, at a very, might be a very small level, 
but your mind changes a little bit. You think a little bit different. You know, where you used to be really angry, you used to have, harbor a lot of unforgiveness, you just, you know, had a lot of, I'm speaking for me, okay, I'm not talking to you. Now the word of God has been dripping in there and adjusting, and you still got your issues, but the more you let it come in, guess what? It transforms your thinking. You know, in all the years I've done counseling and rehab and all these things, there's always one key to success if somebody's going to get their life in order. There's only one key. And people say, well, they have to accept it. Yeah, yeah, we can go past all that. I'm just saying, when somebody says, I need help, there's to me just one key to get you off, delivered off any substance that you're dealing with, whatever you're addicted to, whatever is controlling your life. I mean, some people are just talk, you know, addicted to toxic thinking. They don't even have to have a substance. Um, all it takes is one idea. If I can get you to change the way you think about you, you'll be healed. Because all, usually, you know, the reason a lot of people fall into these dark places, you see, and, and again, I, you know, I'm, on, I'm kind of on the theme, but I want to touch something, is because everybody has their own, that was another series I was, you, you guys should see this conversation I have with the Lord sometimes. There, the word addiction is used once in the Bible. And it's really interesting, I'm not going to get to it, but I was thinking about how powerful that word is. And it, and it means really not, not being, being able to do without something, in this case, addicted to God, right? That would be the, the ultimate source. But it really is not the problem. Some people say, is alcohol the problem? No. Is drugs the problem? No. No, 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 that's the problem. That's just stuff that's out there. The problem is inner. Because alcohol didn't jump into your life. Hey, y'all out here? Maybe we're on... Just preach the message. No, I'm going to go where the Holy Spirit takes me. That's what we're going to do this morning. So alcohol is not your problem. Alcohol sits on the shelves. It's on the store. And, you know, the Bible really, you know, if you want to get really picky, you know, go back to Jesus' first miracle, and we can talk all day about that one. But it's there, and it has a purpose, and it has, you know, I'm sure it's disinfectant. It has a lot of good causes. But the alcohol didn't just jump into your body. You made a choice. So now you're there, and now you're controlled by whatever this, I'm just going to call this account, but it can be anything. It can be shopping. It can be all kinds of things. It's just quirky things in our heads. At the end of that, it's, it's not whatever the substance is. It's what you're dealing with emotionally that is connected to your own way you look at yourself. So here's a question, because I'm, I'm about to give you some scriptures based on that. One of the biggest things you've got to change your mind about and this is something that I think Christianity has made a mistake in teaching over thousands of years, but I think it's just kind of embedded into Christianity somehow, and it's not even in the Bible. I mean, there's ideas, but sometimes it says, okay, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to take care of everybody around me. I'm going to go to Cuba like we do, and we're going to go help the Cuban people. We're going to help the people in Heavenville. I'm going to help my neighbor. I'm going to pray for my friends, and you're just going to... And that's awesome. That is the gospel. But somehow in that conversation, we eliminate the fact that we need to take care of ourselves too. Because, you know, you can't help a whole lot of people if you're not taking care of yourself. Amen. I finally got a reaction out of y'all guys. I think y'all stayed out way too late last night. But um, go to Proverbs 4. Now, the scriptures aren't up there, so you need to dig them out today. I'm not make it hard for you. You're like, man, I'm going to have to actually open my Bible or my app. This is like the whole message is in, like in three scriptures. Oh, Jesus. We're almost to something. We're going to get something. You're taking too long, Pastor. I'm sorry, I got a long hang time, but I'll get there. Because this is, this is the thing, you know, we're, we're trying to blend now our emotional man with our spiritual man, and we want to apply the principles we're learning, and hopefully if you're on this track, 
you're doing your own little research and study on, you know, what I call EI, emotional intelligence, and so forth. So listen to this one. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, now we could go back and read all else later, but whatever doesn't matter because he's already saying that what he's about to say is above everything else he said. So in other words, he's saying this is, should be a priority in your life. Everybody say, this is a priority. You guys need to engage with me, man. Y'all like, got real quiet this morning. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. What does guard your heart? Well, let's, let's break out the word guard for heart. A heart is really, you know, it kind of goes different places in the Bible, but, the, but you know, the, everybody kind of agrees and theologians agree that when the Bible kind of talks about the heart, he's not really talking about the spirit. He's talking about the inner man. You, your mind, your will, your emotions, what makes you you, the person you talk to all day, the one you have all these conversations with, the one you get mad at, and all that. You. So he's saying, above everything in your life, make sure you protect you. Protect your inner workings. Because the truth is very simple. Toxicity in, toxicity out. Right? And emotional balance, sometimes we're trying to control emotions you know, trust me, this has been an exercise for me because those of you that know me close probably should be really proud of me. <laughs> Thank you, H. Have you seen a difference? Maybe when I'm gone, you can come and tell. You know, Pastor used to be, I don't even think he was born again, but apparently he got born again the last couple of years, so he's doing a lot better. Just, you know, my temper had zero. I mean, it was just, you know, you irritated me. That's the end of the, my spirituality. I'll repent later. I'll go for grace. But meantime, I'm just going to unload on you all the toxic venom I have. Well, you know, the more you take the principles and, and you, the more you say, okay. Remember the big one that's helped me? I don't know if it's helped you. Emotions are temporary. That one's helped me a lot. Because I'm like, I want to kill, burn the whole world down. And then by five minutes later, it's, I just love everybody. But if you act on the first one, you're going to go to prison. What's that? <laughs> They're having like their own counseling thing over here. I'm going to get away from them. But um, so those little ideas, as, as simple as that does, what that does, it gives the Holy Spirit some room. It gives the Holy Spirit a little bit of room for you to, you know, bring it back down. Yesterday I had a, a couple of those. I had to call my daughter before I went and killed somebody, so I called Michelle. She chilled me out. Yeah, if if I look tired, I am. You know, I I had to go to Sonora, Texas, yesterday and back, and I was back. I left at five in the morning, was back by three. That's what love does. I had to go pick up my granddaughter. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) so my the thing is, you know, emotional balance is right here. What has you let into your heart that has caused emotional imbalance? Who? took a piece of your mind, who took a piece of your heart, who took a piece of anything, and now is stuck in there. We talked about root of bitterness last week. Remember that? Hopefully that has helped you. But it's all connected. So your emotional person, you know, is influenced by a lot of, by everything. But, of course, it's influenced by your outside world. You know, of course, you know, you go to a football game, you get excited if your team wins. You know, Cowboys fans, we don't know a lot about that right now. But that's another thing. You get emotional. I got so emotional about the Cowboys' loss, I wanted, I wanted to write a letter to get a divorce from them. Because I'm a Cowboys fan, and I don't like them, and I can't, and I can't change for another team. That's just the way it is. So I was going to ask Jerry if he would just issue me a divorce so I could go for Kansas City or somebody that actually knows how to play football. Whew, 
Got my emotions out. Ah, you know I'm not going to give up my cowboys. Someday, someday we'll see it. But my point is, at the end of it, it's just a silly game. I saw a video. A guy got so mad he destroyed his TV. You guys see that? I mean, are you serious? It's a game. And nobody even knows you exist up there in the upper management in the front office of the Cowboys. And you just destroyed your whole TV. And you're not even a flea on their map. And Dag doesn't know your name. You see, emotions out of control cause havoc. Well, how much more in a spiritual person that should have the balance of the Holy Spirit? So your heart, listen to me, the way you process the information. Jesus talked a lot about this. I got the scriptures ready just in case you need them. But he said, what defiles a man, what defiles a man is what comes out. You know, what's inside. And he talks about all these dark things that a man has. That's Jesus talking. So guarding your heart, to me, would you know, that, this is really where I'm looking at my life now because a lot of things sneak in to activate you emotionally. You know, we don't have to go through examples, but things sneak in that you're not really prepared. You know, you're prepared. You say, okay, you know, I'm emotionally balanced. I'm, you know, going to church, got this thing down, doing my applications. And then something very little will just kind of infiltrate the conversation, and you don't recognize it in time. I'm just talking about me now. Like a little worm, and that worm is an emotional explosion somewhere ready to happen. That is where we, that is the balance of the Holy Spirit. If you give the Holy Spirit some time, he will protect you because the the thing is that God is telling us we have to guard our hearts. You cannot just live this life and let everything come in with no filter or no barricade. God, you know, look look at the world. It just doesn't make sense. You know, and if you get obsessed, you know, I was talking to somebody who says, what do you think, it's going to be World War III? I don't know, maybe it is, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I have no control over it. So I'm just going to enjoy my life. And if they drop a nuke, I'll see you in heaven, okay? But you see, those are things that are coming in. And if I don't put a stop, I could get completely depressed over something I have no control over. Thank you. I should charge for some of this stuff, right? I'm just kidding. Um, Things come in. Those are the seeds we talked about last week. You know, so this is kind of like part two of last week. But it says, above all else, guard your heart. And then he says, for everything you do, everything you do flows from that place, from your being. So whatever your being is, is going to, you know, your heart is going to be filled with whatever. It can be filled with TV. It can be filled with obsessions. It can be filled with whatever. It can be filled with Jesus. But whatever it's filling it up with, that is what is going to control the daily movement of your life. So, we have to be very, very, very picky about what we take. You know, and, I, and I go back to these ideas of, again, don't, don't read between the lines what I'm going to say, but we have, it's, it's so easy for us. And I'm, I'm from experience, and most of you, if you've had children or if you had to take care of somebody in your life, it's so easy to take care of people. I mean, it, it could be hard and tedious, but I'm saying, like, you know, if I got to get the medicines together, I get all the medicine and I prepare it every morning and, you know, get everything ready and you got to cook them. You know, whatever you do, you, it's so easy to take care of people. And even your kids, you say, don't, don't drink that, don't do that because it's bad for you. But when it comes to us, especially as adults, since we don't have another adult telling us to not eat that, 
It seems we are experts at taking care of other people, but we are not taking care of ourselves. And I think biblically, that's my first point, I kind of took a huge rabbit trail, Christianity was never about just sacrificing ourselves for everybody and not taking, because you're not going to do a lot of good if you're sick or dead. Amen? You're not going to be really effective for Jesus if you're not healthy. And I'm talking not just physically, mentally, and emotionally, everything healthy. So as we navigate, what are we letting in? And, and this is things you've got to think about as you leave the church, because, again, our goal, as always, is that when you leave this building, you've got something to think about, and you'll recognize something. There might be things you've never recognized until after today. You're going to say, maybe this, you know, this door has been open way too long. Maybe this person has been feeding information into my life, and everything, every time I talk to this person, all I get is toxicity. Every time I talk to this person, all I get is gossip. Every time I talk to this person, I get a negativity. But you haven't really recognized it because they're your friends, or, or worse yet, I would say better yet, worse yet, family. Because nobody hurts you, let's finish it, like family. Right? That's okay. You can't get rid of them, so you just got to put up with it. But what I'm saying is we get used to these patterns that unless somebody shows us, and that's what's been happening in my own journey, is the more I study, I begin to see these patterns that I've been on for years. But I'd never recognize them until somebody pointed it out. The way I address people or the way I reacted or, you know, interrupting people. You could go on and on and on about, about things that you do, but you've never noticed them until somebody said, hey, you might look at this. Well, that's the same thing with, the, with this idea. Who, what, are the, what are influences around your life that you're so used to it, so used to it, so used to it that you just think it's just part of the everyday thing, but that influence always hinders you emotionally. Whatever it is, maybe too much TV, too much news, maybe a person, a place, or a thing, I don't know. But, there, but if there's something that you're just used to it, but it keeps coming in, it's going to be really hard for you to get a, a rhythm on emotional intelligence if you don't close the door on things that are messing you up emotionally. You know, there was a, a, a kind of a, a silly joke. Monica's sister, Marisa, she passed away a few years ago, but Maggie, they were, they were avid, avid soccer fans. And she was a pastor. They were both in church. They're ministers, you know. And one of them, you know, in the U.S. it might not connect, but anywhere except U.S., soccer is insanely huge, Okay. And I grew up in Mexico and all that, so you got the two big teams everybody was Real Madrid back in the day. Now, they're a little different now because all their stars, the big, big stars have moved on, but in Barcelona. Those were the two iconics, and I was a Barcelona fan. And, but one of them would go to Real Madrid, and the other one would go to Barcelona. And anyway, where they had the big Clásico, which they called, they'd end up in such a fight. They'd end up yelling at each other. So they had to, this is how they resolved it. This, to me, seems kind of immature. They would get so upset about the soccer game that they just said, you know what, we can't do this. We're not going to watch soccer anymore because we can't control our temper. And we are Christians. I mean, okay, they fixed it. They don't watch soccer anymore. But the fix wasn't in not watching soccer. The fix was what's wrong with your emotions. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, you guys don't watch soccer because you can't get along? <laughs> and you don't want to go to hell? Okay, I get it. You, know, you want to stay saved, so please don't watch soccer. You know? But um, that's the craziness. Outside influences coming in, coming in, information from other people, information just piling in, the internet, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and you wonder why you can't sleep. And then you wonder why you're so depressed. God told us, and we already hit this scripture about three times during the series, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is of good report, think on these things, 
That's what the word said. In other words, these are the things you should be letting in because thinking, pay attention, write this down if you want to, thinking is the process, of, or let me put it away, thinking is the door. Let me put it that way, make it simple for you. Thinking is the door. Once you engage a thought, whatever that thought is, it won't be long where you're going to per- either personalize it or internalize it. And both of them are not good. If you personalize it or you internalize it. You text somebody, they don't text you back. Clock's running on your emotions now. Come on, nobody? I don't put up with people. I don't, like this guy, he doesn't ever text back, so I just trash talk all the time. But he, he, he ignores me. He even ignores the trash text, so anyway. But I know he, 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 I know he reads them because then he throws these little comments out like that, you know? How many has that happened to you? You know? Here we go. And emotions keep getting wrapped. Emotions keep running out. And the thing is, where was the guarding of your heart? See, this is a command. Go, go to Proverbs 17 now. Let's, let's, let's keep moving. I've just got a couple more. But I want to really bring this home to you. Because this week, I want you to know this. Is, what's my homework, Pastor? No, no homework. Your homework is just pay attention. Are things that you're focusing worth your time? How much mental energy are you placing on something that's completely pointless? Or worrying about somebody else. This is life, you know. Um, there's a lot of that. All those things ignite emotions. A joyful heart, I love this one, is good medicine. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. I'm sorry? Oh, Proverbs 17, 22. This is interesting because a joyful heart is good medicine. In other words, a person that has a positive outlook on life will tend to be healthier. Guess what? This has been investigated and seen and applied in regular medicine, secular medicine, if you want to say it, not spiritual. They they have noticed if you can get people's, what you and I were talking about earlier, if you can get people on a positive note during a healing process, a cancer, a treatment, a chemo, if, if those people are getting a positive, they have a greater chance of getting through this than the people that fall into a depression. So a j- joy is not just being silly, but it's the joyful heart to me is somebody that has developed their heart. Remember what a heart is, not your blood pump. Have developed their heart and has protected their heart so much that they are, that they are really picking out little things that aren't supposed to come in. And by, by identifying, they, they say, nope, I don't need that because if I let that come into my heart, my joy is going to leave. And guess what the Bible says about joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, that's a pretty simple scripture. And that was placed in the context of the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Your mental battle, your life battle, your family battles, your finance. I mean, if we just begin to see it, but here's the thing. God knows his part. God knows what he's supposed to do. But he just expects us to track in the simplicity of his love and with these ideas in mind. Because, you know, we live in a world where we have not been trained on these things. So we live wide open. You know, just every, let everything come in. Let everything come in. You know, I'm, you know I'm, you got to really get, you know, and not being weird. And you're not going to be, it's not like, oh, you got to be picky about what you watch, who you listen to. I mean, because it's, it doesn't take long for your spirit. I'm going to bring the spirit part in to just give you a little nudge. And everyone has it here. If you have Jesus in your heart, you have this. 
It's just a little nudge. It's a small little voice. It's like what we talked about, um, you know, when God showed up in the, you know, he didn't show up in the thunder. He didn't show up in the fire. He showed up in the small inner voice. So when you're following that thing, the Lord will, t- the, the Holy Spirit, this is where spirituality and emotions come in. The Holy Spirit will just be very, very light touch. will say, don't let that in. And that point, your will has the opportunity to say, and I know, you know, it's not being rude, but there's people that you're just going to have to lovely, lovely tell them, um, as soon as that conversation goes there, say, hey, I love you, I appreciate you, but I'm not going there. But you know what they, uh, I'm working on something. Don't take it wrong. Click. Well, you don't click anymore. I'm old. We used to, that's the thing about phones, you can't show people you're mad nowadays. You guys you remember when you slammed the phone so hard that the bell would ring? Some of you millennials are like, what's that? Oh, yeah? And you go, bang! And the the phone would go, bling! Yeah, show them. That doesn't work with a a phone. You're like, yeah, I'm mad at you. Anyway, that's another, another. I miss the old days. All right. Mark 7.20, since you guys are with me this morning. Mark 7.20. I'm just going scripture by scripture on the importance of taking care of your inner man for all the you know, mental health things that we've talked about for weeks. Mark 7, 20, 23, this is repeated also in Matthew, but Mark's version reads this way. What comes out of a person, this is Jesus talking, by the way, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, from where, church? Within, <laughs> from your mind, your heart, listen to what all the stuff that comes out from within. Evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. Isn't that interesting? So what Jesus was saying, it wasn't the eternal actions that were really, you know, causing you to do things. It was what was in you. So the question is, we have to go back to the scripture and kind of like, pick a little bit at it and say, okay, Lord, where did these things come in? Because here's one thing I know, and I'm pretty sure you know that. A baby, when he's born, I mean, you know, before he has any sense, he doesn't have all this stuff. So he's getting them from somewhere. Well, you know, if you want to be spiritual, you get it from your Adamic nature. All right? But life has a way of processing things in our life where we just, you know, so to me, this is the way I read it. These are a lot of things that maybe, you know, we're just saying, well, Pastor, you know, I'm not, I'm not, no, you know, he's pretty extreme about what he's saying, but the point of, of Jesus saying is, is these things came in, they're inside of you. And now they will defile you unless you look at these and say, why is that there? Why is it there? Why am I angry all the time? Why am I thinking in moral thoughts all the time? Why am I thinking in vengeance all the time? You know, you could just, why am I thinking, you know, murder, hopefully you're not thinking about that one, but, you know, every once in a while you might just send somebody to heaven or whatever. Wickedness, deceit, all this stuff. You know, where did that come from? Well, you could say, okay, it comes from Adam's nature. Okay, yeah. But it also comes from us not closing the door. Because once you become aware of these things, now you have authority to stop it. Put this scenario in a marriage where emotions can get flared up very easily because both people in that relationship know the combination. You know the code. You just got to press it. When things are bored, when things are quiet, just press a couple buttons, things get going again. You got a big fight. And people get emotionally rowdy and say things they don't, you know, whatever. Where did that come from? Well, first of all, it comes from 
a desire of vengeance. When somebody hits you emotionally, and your first response is, oh, yeah, I got a better one. I know that's a Mexican thing. I get that. But other than that, where's that coming from? Because in your wired-up system, if somebody, you know, undermines you in any form, nothing is going to work until you feel justified or what we call getting even. Well, that came from somewhere. It didn't come from God. Because a spirit, watch the motion now, a spirit person will listen to this. And this is hard because I've been there so many times. Vengeance is mine. That's what the spirit will say. I know we're talking two subjects. We're talking about spiritual and letting stuff in. But the, the, the spirit is going to say, vengeance is mine. You're like, yeah, Lord, but not right now. <laughs> Hold my beer, Jesus. I'm going to get this guy. You know, you'll, I'll, you, I'll get saved again, but not right now. I'm going to get rid of this guy. I'm going to let him know how much he's offended me. I'm going to give him peace of my mind. You've been giving a lot of that out too much. No, you sit there, vengeance is mine. And, and every emotion in your body is like, ah, you know, you're starting, like, you almost look like you're demon-possessed, right? Because you, you want to get even, and you can't. But the more you let it, because what are emotions? They're temporary. And that Holy Spirit speaking to that emotion. By doing this, there's two things that are happening. Not only are you doing the right spiritual thing, you have closed the door on vengeance coming in. You see it? It's a, two, it's a two thing. So when you get hurt, your emotions flare up. You want to get back. But you say, no, Lord, vengeance is mine. I will not get involved. I bless that person. What we learned last week, turn your face. I bless you. I don't curse you, but I'm not getting involved. Now you've managed to do two things. You've managed to connect spirit to emotions, and you've managed to close the door to something. Because the thing about these doors is not that you just close it for once. They're, they're like... You've got to keep you know, closing them all the time. Because every time your emotions get activated, there's something, you, that's, a, that's the danger of toxic emotions, that when you're in, a, in that state, you know, I'm talking about myself, you don't think straight. So you need another person sometimes to help you think it out. Hello. Because the last thing you want to do when you're angry is talk to somebody. Because you've already got all the justifications of why you're right and why you're going to do this and why you're going to take care of that and why you're going to send that text and da-da-da-da-da. And the last thing you want is somebody tell you not to do it. Uh-huh. That's, again, toxic emotions, toxic inner man. So I'm going to give you a few steps on that because we're really kind of blending the, the, you know, we're part of emotional intelligence. I should have said this at the front end. It's not only managing your emotions, but it's also managing the emotions of other people. And that is really difficult because how in the world, Pastor, I can't even manage my own emotions. I'm supposed to manage some. No, you're supposed to be able to recognize them and do your part so those emotions don't get to a higher level. That's where these kind of teachings become very important. Like I'm telling you, if you're a job manager, if you're a leader, if you're married, if you're a parent, whatever you are, these kind of things are so important because you have to be balanced. You know, you, you can't just be explosive about every situation in your life. So that's where the, the door is closed to having things come in and you're letting the Holy Spirit. So let me give you, well, okay, so the application <laughs> Let me read a couple of my notes here. i got so much going on here. So Jesus, let me, let me close the, the, the statement of Mark 7, 20 with this. Jesus is warning against the danger of negative and harmful thoughts, and he's encouraging all his followers to cultivate. And that's what he was doing. He says, these are the things, the positive and loving attitudes, because in the same things, he would also teach 
you know, you know the, the commandment of love and all so forth. So Jesus taught that it's not the external actions, which we always think that manage everything, but the internal state of the heart. So as I close this point, you know, make sure you begin to recognize. All these is daily practice, guys. Not like, oh, I got it. Perfect. Now, trust me, even the recognizing emotions is so hard sometimes because you've never done it, right? <laughs> Your whole life you've lived like, Motion comes, emotion goes with me. I go with it. Now somebody's challenged you, not me, the word of God, say, check your emotions. So even that's become a new habit. Come on, how many? Raise your hand. If control, you're like, wow, I didn't know anything about controlling my emotions, and now I'm having to process things. Well, the more you practice it, guess what? The easier it gets. And, and hopefully you'll get to the point where you don't even think about these things. You, you know, you automatically recognize, say, you know what? I'm not going there. First of all, it's going to take a lot of time. The thing, the thing about it, uh, emotions, run, when they run away, it takes a lot of time from the beginning to the explosion, and then it takes a lot of time from the explosion to the repair. Do you agree with that statement? So why don't we kill it here and avoid all this drama and all this emotional distress and all this depression and all this anxiety by recognizing the front end, and that's where you begin to recognize the other person's emotion. So... James chapter 1, I think is my last scripture for you. Some of you are like, I hope so. No. And here we go. This is so good. This is like the whole emotional intelligence in one scripture. We've used this um, a couple times already. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this. Know this, my beloved brother. Right, we talked about this last week, but we're going to keep picking at it. Let every person... Look at your neighbor just to make it fun. Say, he's about to talk to you. Go ahead. Say, he's about to talk to you. Tell somebody. And if you want nobody next to you, go yell at him. He's about to talk to you. Listen, let every person inside this building and watching me online, including Pastor Box, that does not say it in the Bible. I just put that in. Be quick to hear. Let's, let's just stop right there. We're going to pick it up. One of the, one of the reasons, one of the ways... And, I, boy, I've learned this because I'm horrible. And, again, if somebody doesn't point it out, you don't really know how to fix it. I think I was bad at it. I just want to say men, for the most part, are probably worse than women. But I've been women that are just as bad in this. But somebody begins to talk about whatever they're going to talk to. And especially if it's a problem, and if you know the fix, you will interrupt that person half sentence. Or you'll finish the sentence, which I part of a horrible habit of doing, but I'm getting better. And not let that person talk. Even though you have the answer, and the answer is the correct one, you've got to shut your mouth. Because one of the keys to understanding emotional, because emotions are never by themselves. I mean, yeah, you know, you can be by yourself in crime. I'm saying they're reactive, right? They grow. You know, watch, again, back to the football game analogy. Watch the football game by yourself, go to the stadium. Is it different? Yes, because you're like, yes! Crickets. And they go, wow! And everybody roars. So, listen. Listening is one of the greatest things you can do. And men, listen. Listen, men. You've got to learn how to listen. Because, I mean, I, if you have to, like, mm, I've had to do that, like, Throw the key away, remember that? Because people are trying to express them, and if you always are trying to go to the front end of this conversation, you're not listening, because you can listen to the statement, but here's the question. 
Are you listening to the emotion? Because sometimes the emotion is more important than whatever they got to say. What they want to express, especially women, I'm going to help you guys, ladies. You guys say amen, pastor, after I say this. Women don't want to hear you fix anything yet. Thank you for that very timid amen somebody said over there. But say it, amen, and then drive your elbow right into his ribs, all right? (laughs) No, just kidding. Don't do that. But to listen to your wife, to your daughter, to whoever, listen. Let them say everything they got to say, and they'll let you know when they're ready to listen. Not try to, we're not just here to fix things. So one of the things about emotional intelligence is really this idea to develop empathy, to really develop, you know, um, let me just read you a scripture to, to base that point. I'm going to give you the four points if you want to write them down. Ep- empathy, observation, understanding, and compassion. I'll, I'll repeat them. But Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Stay in James, but let me just read it because we're going back to James. This is what Philippians 2 and 3, 4 says. Listen to this. Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourself. And I know we're talking about self-help, and yet, but one of the things of the gospel, one of the foundations was about looking at people through the eyes of Jesus, looking at people from a completely different perspective. And empathy is that idea to un- try to understand, even somebody that you don't like, even somebody that's coming at you or attacking you, can you, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to say, help me understand why is this person so angry? Why is this person so vicious? What happened in their childhood? What, ha- what, what are they traumatized about? And how could I even help them? And that, could, that conversation could be going in your head while that person is just blasting you. And you know what's happening? While you're trying to figure out how to help them, you're not letting any of their toxic garbage come into your life. That's how cool this is because you're not there trying to respond. Oh, yeah? Wait, I got a better response to that. I'm going to tell you this. No, you're sitting there letting them, yeah, you this, you that. You know, it could be in a marriage situation, whatever. You want to mess somebody really up? bad up when they're yelling. Just look at them really calmly. You can do two things. Look in their eyes or look at their forehead. Looking at their forehead will mess them up totally. If you don't believe me, trust me. I'm not, I'm not playing mind game. I'm just saying. This is, but you look at them and say, after they get telling you that you're the this and you're dirty that, and you're, after they get done, it says, are you feeling okay? That's all you got to say. Because they expect you to come back with all kinds of stuff, and you're just saying, are you feeling okay? That might make them even more mad. And after they do another round of that, you say, can I pray for you? <laughs> By then, you might want to just run because they might be ready to hit you. But anyway, my point is you don't have to engage. You don't have to engage in any of it. But here we are. We just can't stand somebody rubbing us the wrong way because here we go. But no one has seen right? I mean, just, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to light your fire this morning. <laughs> okay, know this, beloved. We're going to try to close this. Come on, church. Be quick to hear. That means listen. Listen. And the famous, who was one of those philosophers said, that's why you have two ears and one mouth, right? Slow to speak. And that doesn't mean talk slow. That just means take your time, process each word. I know this is a Mexican saying, so you probably won't understand it, but you've got to think with your brain, not with your stomach, all right? Some of you will figure that one out later. You've got to think what you're going to say. Because emotions out of control bypass that. Now they just want to defensive, emotion, whatever. So slow to speak is giving a process not only of your thinking, but also a time for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a lot of time, but he does need a little time. You know what the Holy Spirit needs? I'm sorry, let me fix that. He doesn't need time. He needs space. He doesn't need time. In other words, when you're in a tough emotional situation, 
or a tough any situation, can you give the Holy Spirit a little bit of space? Say, Lord, help me with this. And then just get really quiet. And the person might be going off. And you might be praying internally, saying, Lord, what do I respond? Lord, how do I address this? I mean, and the, the person might be, you know, you're listening. You know you guys can do that, you know. Women are experts at this, right? They can have two conversations. Men can't because we're like. But you can have a conversation with the Holy Ghost while you're having a conversation with somebody else. That's the power of the Spirit. And if you connect that, guess what? You're not going to fall into a dark place with whatever those emotions are going. Because, again, emotional intelligence is not about just managing your emotions. It's about understanding other people's emotions. So quick to hear, slow to speak. I'm not going to spend a lot on this one. We talked about this a lot last week. But slow to anger. In other words, don't, you know, don't be reactive like, bam, because that was me. You know, you, I just explosion. There's no time for anything. You know, thought process in 0.5 seconds, explosion by 0.2 seconds. And two seconds, we're done. No, you got to be slow to anger. In other words, something could be irritating you, and the more they talk about it, the more it irritates you. But the process of you getting mad, guess what? It's your choice. Isn't that amazing? I was explaining this to my grandson the other day. I mean, that's, you know, a 12-year-old head. It's not going to get all of it. But I said, anger is really a choice. And anger is not even an emotion. It's an expression of something else. But it's really a choice. And anger, for the most part, comes up. It, it bubbles up. Anybody? I just say it's the jalapenos, right? Just, all the jalapenos we've been eating all our life, they just start bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. And then once you get angry, you don't even think straight. The Bible compares anger to being drunk. How about that? You're not sober anymore, making bad decisions. So anger, recognize it. And if you recognize it, slow it down. You, it's, you, know, you might get angry at the end of this, but you're not going to get as fast. And hopefully, there'll be enough time for the Holy Spirit to make you look at it from a different perspective. So these are the things that you need to understand other people. I'll read them out, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to land this thing. You need empathy which Philippians says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit already, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others. That's the beautiful thing of the gospel. You know, when you get up in the morning, just, you're, you, know, you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor to say, Lord, let me, let me be a blessing to somebody today. Let me make a difference today. That's all you've got to say. So that, that's really, the other one is observation. Proverbs says it this way, you, gotta, you, know, you, gotta, you learn to watch people, you learn to listen. In other words, that's connected to empathy. In other words, you're not just, oh, okay, I'll just let you vent, and then I'll tell you how to fix your life. No. The observation in Proverbs 15.31 says this, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Now, I know you can use that in a lot of contexts, but listen to this. The ear that listens. This whole series could be one of those of observation. Have you, you know, are you listening? Are you listening to that person? Are you really listening? Not just hearing what they're saying. Are you really listening? And then that one would lead you into what Colossians 3, write it down, verses 12 and 13 say, understanding. When you begin to understand, even if they're coming at you, there is a place that you can almost understand people. And it says in Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, pay attention, this is kind of like, put your clothes on in the morning. This is what you've got to put your clothes on, especially in this world that we live in. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other 
and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, you, you know, listen to the statement. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, in case you didn't get it. God's chosen people, clothe yourselves. I know this is a lot of church to process, but maybe just pick one. Pick one. Just work on one this week. Pick on the one you least, least have of. Instead of saying, I got this. By Sunday, I'm going to be like Jesus. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're, never, you're not ever going to be to Jesus till you see him, all right? Therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves. Put it on. Everybody say, put it on. Okay, pick one for this week. Which one, which one do you struggle with the most? Don't say it out loud. I'll just go down the list. Compassion? Are you a compassionate person? How about a kind person? Everybody. <clears throat> I mean, that's the one maybe you all need to work on then. Humility. How about that one? You arrogant thing. No, I'm just kidding. Gentleness. Oh, I need that one a lot because I'm still trying to get rough. Is it sand down the rough edges? <laughs> Patience. Ooh, Jesus. How long do y'all have for that one? We could teach you that one. I'll be done by three. Y'all want to do it? I don't want to learn that much patience right now. Patience is not putting up with. Patience is calmly observing, knowing that God's got this. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength as an eagle. It doesn't mean waiting on the bus. It means waiting in him. Patience is something that is one of the greatest things you can develop. And you hear all these little cute little things. Don't you ever pray for patience because God's going to do everything? That's religion. That's garbage. Bible actually says patience is a virtue. How many of you are really patient people? Don't lie. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If he wasn't patient with me, he wouldn't even be here. All right. I was in. Um, this kind of blessed me. I'm, I'm gonna, you know. I always talk about all my defects. I'll talk some positive in my life for once. So we were at Fort Worth at a convention, and Oksana and Tolik from Ukraine were there, and a bunch of people were there. And I had, a, I guess, Caden. I don't know. But anyhow, and Oksana made this statement. She says, he says, Pastor Box, you're, you're the most patient person I've ever met. And I'm thinking, what? I'm like the most impatient. I can't even stand a traffic light. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. I'm, 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 I'm timing the yellow one. Are you serious? Come on, you guys don't do that. But somebody saw that in me. And I'm like, okay. You recognize the tree. Glory to God, all right? There's fruit hanging. I'm glad she didn't tell me about all the other stuff that was hanging that I needed to get rid of, but she did pull that one out. But, you know, patience is not, it's really a sense of calmness. And I think one of the things about patience and and, and emotional intelligence and dealing with other people's emotions is one of the greatest things you can develop. Because patience really put, you know, what is patience? Patience is not about waiting. Patience is about being in a place where you really don't have a lot of control over. And being comfortable in that place that you really don't have any control over. Because what is, what is impatience? Can anybody define impatience? You want it quick. You can't wait. Right? So patience is the ability to wait without seeing results. Well, what if it never happens and it doesn't matter because you have no control over it? And you, and you develop this where, you know, your kid spills something, you don't even get mad at you. I mean, if you did it on purpose, well, then you've got to go you know, whack him or something. No, don't do that. Just like, but, you know, it's an accident. You're patient. You don't, you don't get upset over spilled milk. Spilled, just wipe it up. 
Because, you know, none of those things, in other words, patience has a way of developing your character where you begin to really to pick your fights, right? Since you're developing patience, you pick your fights. Because if I don't pick my fights, I'm going to be very impatient about everything. So I've got to be careful. I don't want It gives you clarity. It gives you time to think things through. And the other thing, you develop this calmness. And I think one of the greatest things a Christian can walk in life is, is, is a, a spirit that people don't feel, how can I put it, intimidated by or threatened by. And you know what? In fact, when you come around people, you, you almost sense their presence. You almost sense their spirit. You know, you know if they're coming from a good place. Well, patience develops a lot of these things. So you know, if you want to develop something this week, you know, and God's not going to break your refrigerator and your washing machine, all that nonsense. That's what people say. Don't ask for patience because God's just going to break everything in your house to teach you patience. Nope. He doesn't do that. So understanding, which includes compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the big one, it's right in here. Understanding includes, we talk about this almost every week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, the ability to forgive people. That is a big one. And I'll tell you something. I, said, I don't know if I said this last week, but if you can forgive before, you won't struggle to forgive after. In other words, well, how does that even mean? You're going to make a decision. Nobody's going to offend me. In other words, I cannot be offended. You, actually, you cannot be offended. Did you know that? You cannot be. You, offense is your choice. It's deep stuff in this church, right? Like, huh? You cannot be offended. You, somebody, I cannot offend you. I cannot make you mad. I cannot do nothing. Every, all my actions, that whatever I do, for you to be influenced by them, you're going to have to receive them. So if you offend me, I cannot be offended till I take it. That's what happens when you begin to develop emotional intelligence. You realize, it ain't, worth the it ain't worth the run, man. I know that if I take it, this is going to go on for three days. Remember I told you the curve of getting mad, the explosion, especially like in a marriage, and then the four days that your wife doesn't talk to you? You have to sleep in the garage and all that? No, just kidding. And the last one, we already mentioned it, is compassion. That is the biggie, biggie one. The difference between empathy and compassion is two things. Empathy is an understanding. Compassion is an action. Matthew 9.36 talks about Jesus. And Jesus, something that moved him was compassion. And I think, you know, I want to say, at least for the work that we do in other countries, um, especially Cuba at this point in Ukraine. I haven't been in Ukraine a long time now. Really, when you go there and you see the, the, the level of need and the level of, uh, of just whatever you want to say the, that the government has done to these people, compassion kicks in. In other words, compassion is a desire to make a difference. So Jesus, in, in Matthew 9, 30, says this, when, the, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. In other words, the word compassion means, you know, you can almost, it's, it's, it's a compound word, you could almost, you could almost break it out in Spanish, it's really easy to see it, compasión. You just break it, con pasión, with passion. Well, what is passion? Is it just excitement? No, if you think about the movie The Passion of the Christ, why was it called The Passion of the Christ? Because the word passion also means suffering. Compassion means I am willing to put a little bit of my life down to make your life a little bit better. 
That's all it is. I'm willing to take a little bit of my time where I can sit home and watch TV. No, I'm going to go and talk to you and help your life a little bit better. That is really compassion, that you're willing to take something that belongs to you and sacrifice it to another person. And Jesus, of course, we don't have to go through that. He gave us an ultimate level of compassion, right, to just lay his whole life down to us. So these four things, as, as we begin to, you know, again, I don't know, like I'm really being sensitive to this idea. We, you know, we, can, we could do this all year, trust me. The material is infinite. There's so much material from, from Christian, from secular, to do all these things. But to, to bring it all to a place where the more you practice this, the more you begin to see the evidence in your marriage, the more you begin to see the evidence in your own mind, the more you begin to recognize those thoughts that would bring you to a depressive place and, and, you, and you would just go with it. And now you say, hey, you know, I went to church and I learned that not all the thoughts I have are my thoughts. Imagine that. You say, that's not my thought. And then you take these ideas. And again, there's so much I could, I don't even know where to stop this, but the one thing I keep bringing in is whatever God told you to think about, that's what you practice and practice. Think on these things. And you go through that list. Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, you know, you just did, did, did. And every time that eh comes into your heart about the government, about this, about that, about the, you know, whoever, you're like, no, I make a choice. That is not lovely. That is not good. That is not of a good report. That is not something of kindness. That doesn't generate compassion. And the worst thing, it's going to take some of my peace. So you know what? I'm not going there. And you begin to, and your emotional man is not something you want to squelch. Every emotion is beautiful in its right context. And it's needed. Even grieving is needed. That washes your soul. Some people say, you're not supposed to cry. You are. You are supposed to cry. God designed it to wash your soul. So you don't want to quelch emotions, but you want to understand them. And you want to know they are a beautiful thing and they're part of you. You don't want to be some dead robot that has no emotion, but you don't want them to go to a place where they hurt people. You don't want to go to a place where they hurt your children, your marriage, your friends. And the biggest one is you don't want them to go to a place where they hurt the cause of Christ. Because too many Christians are staying away from Jesus because of us. Amen. Too many, Christians, too many people don't want to have nothing to do with our Lord and Jesus because they've interacted with toxic Christians. And they think that all of us are like that. And we all have our issues. We all have, like I said at the beginning, you know, if, if Christianity is such a wonderful thing, why are there so many messed up Christians, right? I'm talking like angry, mean, you know, backstabbers and all that. No, okay, then let them be that. You don't be that. This is about a higher standard. This is about developing your life to another level, another level of thinking, another level of application. And just because everybody has their little frame of mind, that doesn't mean you have to be in that frame of mind. Amen? Are you getting anything out of this? Well, praise God. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And like I said, we're going to, I think we're going to, we might hit this at the end of the year in some form or fashion. You know, we're probably never going to get away from it. Because the renewing of the mind is something that will never, never stop. But I want to pray for you as we wrap up our series. It's been a, a tremendous six weeks. I've, I personally, if someday, if someday you guys are like absolutely curious I could email you the insane amount of notes I have. It's like pages and pages and pages and pages of information that, that we're not going to cover. But um, this morning, just let, let's do something by the Holy Spirit. I want you to do a little soul searching as we wrap up this series. And, and at the bottom, you know, they're very simple prayer. You know, we all got our hang-ups. We all got our issues. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have one. But here's the thing. Can we be a reflection of Jesus? And if, and if it takes 
controlling our emotions, it's, that's what's going to take. But we really do, to me, that's really why, why this whole series is important, is to really be a reflection of what he stands for. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for where you have taken us with this series, Lord. And I know in my own journey, Father, and my own struggles with all this stuff, thank you for teaching me, and thank you for putting up with me, and thank you for having patience on me. But, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person listening to me live in this room that's listening to me online or that will go back to a podcast and listen to future, Father, that we are emotional beings. We are people with a mind that reasons and thinks. And I just thank you, Lord, that we have learned things to make us better people, to help us manage life, to, to fight depression, to fight anxiety, all these things that we've learned over six weeks, Father. But I thank you that at the end of this, Father, we become a better reflection of you. That, Lord, people can recognize the peace. People can recognize the love that just coming from a place that they don't even understand. I believe right now, Lord, that you are healing people in the name of Jesus. If you're, if you're in this room, listen to me. If you're watching online, just open your heart. I'm not having anybody come up. It's not about that. But, you know, the, whole, the, the presence of the Lord is here. You know, music makes it nicer and all. But that doesn't make a difference. God is always with us. Feel it or no feel it, he's here. My point is, if you're done with something, don't walk out of this room without being done done with it. In other words, you put that at the feet of Jesus. You say, I'm done with it, Lord. If it's depression, but here's the thing, well, Pastor, what if it doesn't leave? No, you, you've heard my thing, you know, there's, there's a natural path. I'm praying and talking to you. There's a natural path, there's a spiritual path. I'm not saying, we're not going to go through all that. I'm just saying, you put it at the feet of Jesus today, and, and then you just, you know, you wake up tomorrow, whatever's going on, you just keep bringing these principles, bringing these ideas, thinking about the love of Jesus, thinking about how blessed you are, being grateful, all the things you've heard this week, and not letting those thoughts sit in there. And I'm telling you, put it at the feet of Jesus. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, every anxiety, every depression, Father, every person that has been emotionally beat down, Father, maybe even things of abuse and things into their childhood, God, we don't know all this, but Holy Spirit, you are the great doctor. And this morning, in the name of Jesus, we bind that spirit of darkness that has tried to kill people, that has tried to break people's hearts. And I just give you glory and praise, Father. This morning, lives are being healed. And we thank you, Lord, that we have an emotional balance, that we can help people because you, Holy Spirit, are with us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are healed in the name of Jesus. We pray that this year, Father, we become a great witness to people that people come seeking, Father, God for the right reasons, Father. People come seeking you in this place, Father, because we find answers to, to life, to real-life problems. So I just give you glory and honor this morning. I bless everyone in this room. I call them healed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap? Amen. God bless. You may be seated. Thank you guys for coming this morning. I'm going to keep preaching, and I need to shut up. i got all the 20 minutes left. What am I going to do with all this time, Freddie? Start another sermon? I'll just start next week's series? No, just kidding. No, but I do want to, I do want to bring this in, uh, at, the, at the front end. No, I know when, you, when you're done, you're done. Here's the thing. This will be the, the final closing on the series. It's, it really is about a daily exercise. That's it. Daily exercise. You'll have good days. You'll have bad days. You'll have all kinds of days. But just stay with it. Stay the course. Amen. And again, I said, please share your testimonies. If you're comfortable with it, if you're not, I get it. Then really, to me, it's important to see how this has affected, and especially if it has made a difference. If your marriage is better, if your communication with your spouse is better, if you 
getting along better with your kids. That's what this is about. Amen? Amen. All right. This morning, you know, as I had told you, I was supposed to be this weekend in Cuba. And I was you say, I'm not. I'm here. And the only thing was logistics. It wasn't a major thing. It was just they, did, they weren't able to set up some meetings that I was going to take care of. And to really go two days just to hang out? No. <laughs> not Cuba. You go two days somewhere else. So that, that's the reason. Pastor Dan, and he took a... Eddie, I don't know, I know him through Facebook, uh, one of his guys, to Cuba, their, their ministry there this morning. And I know they got it, they got it covered. So again, thank you guys for your support and all that. And the Cuba thing keeps going, keeps moving, you know, it doesn't stop. So that's one of the big mission outreach we do. So again, thank you guys for your support. So said that, if you have, um, you know, your envelope next to you, and there'll be information on the screen for the online giving. We do thank you for all your support and donations. That's what keeps the doors open, guys. That's what keeps it, the bills paid and all the stuff around here. So, and here's very easy. I, I was thinking about this. You know, how do people, when, when you give to the Lord, and I, and I want to be careful because there's so much craziness even on this theme. That's why I, I, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time building it. But biblical prosperity is not about just having tons of stuff. Biblical prosperity is very simple. It's having the ability to meet the needs of other people. That's biblical prosperity. Whatever that need may be. So let's say there's a need where somebody needs a car for some weird reason. You're so prosperous that you can meet that need. That's how prosperity is. And, you know, sometimes the world has changed it. And I've got some, ooh, I don't know why that happened. The prosperity is about, oh, we have to you know, do more, you just give, God will give us more. And that's, some kind of, that's not what it is, you know? God wants you blessed, and he has principles, but the idea of exchanging money or giving money in a church comes down to a very simple statement, and it was really the gratitude. If you go back to the very foundations of giving from Adam and Eve, um, their kids, which one of them got killed for, <laughs> and all through biblical history, the presenting of an offering was primarily the presenting of gratitude. That's what it was. It was a thanksgiving. It was presenting a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So I say it this way, you know, if you go anywhere in America except a church, you you know, I'm talking like event style, you're gonna have to pay, right? Pay a ticket, go to a movie, go to a concert, you know, whatever. And you and when you pay at the front end, you go with an expectation that I'm gonna get my money back. Or my money's worth, whatever you pay for. Well, Church is not that, and that's where you have to break that mindset because church is not about, hey, hey here comes the offering, now you can ask for money. No, keep it. <laughs> Trust me. It's not about that. But if, you, but if you are in a place where there is an exchange, in other words, my point is, if you come on Sunday morning and you receive, and you got blessed, and you left with some information that you have no idea even existed, the natural response would be, I receive and I acknowledge with thanksgiving. That's how an offering is. You come to church, you didn't get nothing, don't get it. <laughs> but I'm saying it's the exchange. So there is a spiritual point, without getting weird on this, where you connect to something God did by presenting a sacrifice. You know, we've even done it in, in little prayers, maybe you're not, but Lord, if you change her, I will be a nice person, whatever. Where you're doing the same thing, you know you're lying like a dog, right? Because even if you've got changes there, you're not planning to change. But the point is, you're, you're willing to sacrifice your life. Lord, if you fix this, I promise I'll go to church every Sunday. What are you doing? You're exchanging 
Well, that's kind of weird because that's not what God plays the game. But the other way is God has delivered. And you will walk out blessed if you don't give a penny. But if you connect with gratitude, that seed just goes, whoop. It's kind of, it's like you put fertilizer on it, okay? That's all I'm saying. So, you know, you guys don't want to talk, there's, a, there's, there's always a reciprocal of, of the word and my connection. That's why, you know, my idea, when I used to go to these conferences, and, and I haven't been in a while, but I still, I still think that. I will not, if I'm sitting in a church service, I will not be in a church service that I don't give an offering. Even if it's a little tiny offering. Sometimes we go to these conferences, it's like five services, right? And every service they would ask for offering because, you know, the big convention centers, they got these budgets of half a million dollars, like to pay the budget, crazy stuff. So every service, if, even if it was a 20, I, I wanted to make sure that every service I would give. Because to me, it was important. You know, if I'm receiving my connection, that was my reaction to that. So anyway, that's just to me. But again, thank you guys for all you, but just understand what we do and why we do things in faith. Like, there's no secret agenda. Nobody's getting rich, you know. Nobody's doing anything to try to be a blessing to this community and to where God has called us. Amen. Go ahead and stand on your feet. I'll get you out of here. I'm giving you 15 minutes, so I might take those back in a couple of weeks, all right? <laughs> Father, we just give you glory and praise this morning. Father, this, this series, Lord, I just believe it's kicked off the year in a good place. We've kicked off this to help us be more influential, better people. In everything we do. Hang on, guys. Let me finish praying. I just forgot this right here. Caleb, he was calling me. I'm supposed to come and get him. Okay, now I can finish praying. You guys didn't hear him, but he was calling me. Okay, you guys didn't go. Aww. Okay, that's all. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the blessing of this church. We leave this place, but we don't leave your presence. Let this week, Lord, take these principles. Let us recognize our emotions. Let us recognize the emotions of others. But at the end of this day, this week, Father, somebody will look to you for hope because we were able to point you out, Father. I believe that with all my heart. The next Sunday, there will be people here that have never, ever come because of what they see in them. I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck, and we will see you all next week. God bless you. Can I get something else?